Welcome to C3 Church, Queens Beach. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoyed this message today. Do you have any heroes in your world that you would love to meet? Some people of influence, you'd love to be able to ask questions. I often fantasise and think about having this dinner party in which seven amazing people would I love to have over and ask them questions and find out about their lives maybe someone from the past or from the present and think about what I would ask and if I asked you who you would have at your dinner party I know of course you'd all say Jesus first yes but you know maybe there's some other people in your world that you would love to ask questions Maybe it's someone from the past, like a Mother Teresa. Maybe it's a sporting hero, someone like Michael Jordan. For me, I would love to have Jeff Probst from Survivor come over and I could ask him lots of questions about Survivor and how they were able to hide the cameramen so well and, you know, who was really annoying, um, which I've already worked on myself, and all the inside goss on the contestants. I would really love that. So who would you invite? And if you could ask them one thing, what would it be? You know, what mentoring words of wisdom are you leaving with us? And how much credence we give someone's response depends on the amount of respect that we have for them, how we think they've lived their lives, the fruit from that, and many other variables. So what would you say to someone who asked you, say on your deathbed, what is the one thing you've learnt? What is your takeaway from life? What would your one thing be? It'd be difficult to narrow it down. Mine might be, life's too short to drink bad coffee. But hopefully something a little bit deeper and inspirational than that, though, on my deathbed. (laughs) Though, for over 50% of young adults, one thing they've said is they want to be famous. Not for actually achieving anything, just being famous for the sake of being famous. That sounds a little bit misguided to me. But I love to hear words of wisdom, nuggets of gold from people that I admire, those role models and those legends in our life. I love it when I get to hear Pastor Phil Pringle or John Pierce sharing different things. It just is amazing. And I'm so inspired by the characters of the Bible who are role models to me. They're truly inspirational. And I often wonder if I met them, what would I ask them? So I've decided it would be share with me what is the one thing you would recommend or do if you could only give one piece of advice. Do you think that's a good question to ask? Yeah. So why just one thing? Because doing one thing at a time is the opposite from juggling many tasks. Having simplicity and order in our life can be a great blessing. One is singular. One is specific. One is separate. And one signifies importance, prominence, and one stands on its own. There are occasions to pause and ask ourselves about what is the most of the most importance and the prominence in our life, especially when our modern world just keeps moving and changing so fast. And the amazing thing is, even though I won't ever meet those biblical heroes until I get to heaven myself, I actually have a glimpse of their answers because they're recorded in the Word of God, in the Bible, in black and white, written down so that we can see and we can learn that we can be inspired to live our best life. And there's about 16 places in the Bible where someone talks about the one thing. So we're going to have a few, not going to look at all of them, it's okay, we're not going to be here till midnight. (laughs) Um, There's a whole lot of them, like one thing is mentioned from Jesus telling the young ruler that he lacks one thing, he needs to sell his possessions and follow Jesus because he knew that his heart was somewhere else. 
to the formerly blind man Jesus healed, who was being interrogated by his heal, healing, about his healing, and the, it was just ridiculous. And in the end, he said, One thing I know, I was blind and now I see. Okay. And there's no arguing with that. It's a testimony, it's a share your story. I don't know what, how, but I was blind, one, and this is the one thing I know. So some of my favorites are David, Solomon, Jesus, <laughs> Paul, <laughs> of course. And I love David. David was said to be from God himself. He's a man after my own heart. So if he's a man after God's heart, we want to know what's on David's heart because that's going to give us a glimpse of what God loves. So with a bio like that, he's worth listening to. And although David could have wanted for many things, he could have wanted, had victory over his enemies, he could have wanted that crown on his head, we see him relentlessly return his focus to God. David sought God more than any earthly treasure. In Psalm 27, verse 4, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. David's response seems very clear here. He's saying, I desire one thing above all else. And we were singing that in another psalm. Psalm 27, 40 in the message. I'm asking God for one thing, only one thing. To live with him in his house my whole life long. I'll contemplate his beauty. I'll study at his feet. I know that you are there for me, so I will not be shaken. Here's the one thing I crave from God. The one thing I seek above all else. I want the privilege of living with him every moment in his house, finding the sweet loveliness of his face, filled with awe, delighting in his glory and grace. I want to live my life close to him, that he, so close to him that he takes pleasure in my every prayer. Isn't that just so passionate? His one request of God is he might know him and experience him and the awesomeness of his presence. And he seeks this a place in his soul where he meets with God with that singular determination. His focus in life was worship. He focused on that one thing, his number one priority. Make your plans around the priority of worship. He's putting God first in his world. Do you try to fit God into your schedule or do you work your schedule around God? Hmm. Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message, he writes, God cannot fit into our plans. We must fit into his. We can't use God. God is not a tool or appliance or credit card. Holy is the word that sets God apart and above our attempts to enlist him in our wish fulfillment fantasies or our utopian schemes for making our mark in the world. Holy means that God is alive on God's terms, alive in a way that exceeds our experience and imagination. And David gives such a wonderful description of worship. What he wants to do more than anything is gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. And there he will sacrifice shouts of joy and will sing and make music to the Lord. You guys are doing that magnificently this morning, may I just say. Incredible. And as you seek the Lord and gaze upon his, the, his beauty in worship, he lifts you up out of those distractions and those fears and temptations and as David puts it that's the only quiet secure place in a noisy word world 
God holds me head and shoulders above those who try to pull me down. Lord, one thing I ask that I may dwell in your house all the days of my life to gaze on your beauty. Beautiful. And his son Solomon, he asked for one thing and he could have asked for absolutely anything. Second Chronicles, that night God appeared to Solomon and said to him, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Wow, do you ever think what you would have done if that was you? I, I don't want to know. <laughs> so, I mean, for me, I mean, not for you. You probably had an amazing answer. <laughs> Solomon answered God, You have shown great kindness to David, my father, and have made me king in his place. Now, Lord God, let your promise to my father David be confirmed that you have made me king over a people who are as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead your people for... Who is able to govern this great people of yours? <laughs> I like to say it with that. Oh my goodness, who is able to do that? <laughs> God said to Solomon, Since this is your heart's desire, and you have not asked for wealth, possessions, or honor, nor for the death of your enemies, and since you have not asked for a long life, but for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people over whom I made you king, therefore wisdom and knowledge will be given you. Yeah, ask and we shall receive. And I will also give you wealth, possessions, honour, such as no king who was before you ever had and none after you will have. Well, how did Solomon know how to ask for this, this one right thing? It was because it was modelled by his father David, his dad. He sat on his knee and he watched his dad and this is what his dad said. This is Solomon telling what his dad said. When I was a boy at my father's knee, the pride and joy of my mother, <laughs> he would sit me down and drill me. Take this to heart. Do what I tell you. Live. Sell everything and buy wisdom. Forage for understanding. Don't forget one word. Don't deviate an inch. Never walk away from wisdom. She guards your life. Love her. She keeps her eye on you. Above all and before all, do this. Is one thing, get wisdom. Write this at the top of your list, get understanding. And I like the um, old version of it. In all that you're getting, get understanding. Wisdom is the principal thing. It's the one thing. So Solomon listened to his dad's advice. Hello, there's some wisdom. <laughs> yeah, and all the parents said amen. Teenagers went really quiet. When it comes to making directions in life, we live by the mantra of Bible. What does the Bible say? Prayer. What do I feel that God is saying to me? And then a very important step that I feel many people are missing out on, godly wisdom and counsel. Talk to someone who's spiritually mature, without an agenda, who has experience, who has runs on the board, make and makes good decisions in life and has good fruit in their life. They're able to interpret what the Bible and the prayer is actually saying. Solomon was congratulated by God for asking for wisdom as his one thing. So what a wonderful thing for us to ask God from. And he says it in um, James, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. What a fantastic promise. And Jesus spoke in Luke about the one thing, the one thing that is necessary. So do you think that's worth taking a look at if Jesus said it? Yeah, I do. So one day, Martha, 
had an unexpected house guest. The Son of God rocked up for dinner. So <laughs> while she toils over a meal for Jesus and 12 other men, her other sister Mary sits at the feet of Jesus instead of helping. I'd so get Martha. I'd be like doing what she did. Martha complained to Jesus and he responds to her by saying in Luke 10, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, <laughs> but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen that good portion which will, now be, which will not be taken from her. Martha was so focused on a good thing that she missed out on the best thing. The one important thing, taking opportunity to sit in Jesus' presence. Jesus was asked by the religious leaders of his time, what's the most important commandment, the most important thing out of all the laws? And the law was everything to his people then. They actually worshipped the letter of the law and legalistically followed it. Unfortunately, he lost a lot of things in, in translation. But then Jesus came. And as Jesus said, do not think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill it. To fulfill it. Boom. Wow. <laughs> That's releases from the tyranny of the law. But Jesus answered their question about what's the one thing. In Matthew 22, 37, he replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the laws and prophets hang on these two commandments. And I see it like a place where you would hang your coat. You know, you could come up to a wall and if you try to hang your coat just on a blank wall, it falls down. It doesn't work. But if there's a peg there, you hang it on the peg and it stays. And I feel like the law, this is the commandment, that if we have that peg in place to love God with all our heart and soul and our mind, have that one thing in place, everything can hang and be where it's meant to be. Everything is in its right place when we do this. The laws hang on this. But then, interestingly enough, Jesus gave a new commandment at the Last Supper. Just before his crucifixion, he declares in John 13, 34, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You can see this is totally based in the first commandment that he's talking about, love God and love others. And he's saying, by this one thing... They will know you are my disciples. Well, why is that? Because we stand out as being different when we get along with each other, when we genuinely love and care and support for one another. Love is our identifying badge as a Christian. That's how people know. And let's have a look at the Apostle Paul. He wrote about a third of the New Testament. So do you think he might have had something worth considering? So I do. <laughs> Anyone else? Great, three of us, awesome. So Philippians 3, 13 says, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Wow. Paul was able to demonstrate that he had one purpose in life. He didn't let the baggage of his past dictate his goal. He was focused. He knew his goal and he wasn't going to waver. This Pharisee of the Pharisees who had everything going for him laid down his life 
literally, to follow Jesus. And he talks there about the past. He had to get free from the baggage of the past, which he could have carried. He had hunted down and persecuted Christians. That's a pretty heavy thing to be carrying around in those early days until a supernatural encounter with Jesus himself. And Paul walked in forgiveness, forgiving himself, which is sometimes a big deal. I feel like God's wanting to say to a couple of you today, forgive yourself, hello, you think it's too big. Paul was murdering my Christians and look, look at him, you know. Don't deny the power of the cross and forgiveness and think that your sin is bigger than anything, that Jesus' blood is not big enough to cover that sin. That's naughty. Don't do that. (laughs) That's denying the power of his name and the cross and the blood of Jesus. Sorry, I digress, but I really felt like there's people that need to hear that today. We need to forgive ourselves and, of course, forgive others. And Paul knew to do this because he didn't want people to be caught in the trap. He didn't want to be caught. He, doesn't, he knew the trap that offence and unforgiveness has holding us back from the present and the future. It's like when we're driving, our eyes should be focused ahead. Sure, there's a rear vision mirror, but that's that big. And the, the, the glass, the windscreen in front of us is huge because our, most of our focus is meant to be looking ahead seeing the future and heading in that direction, not looking back. And he pressed on with perseverance. Don't give up or give in when opposition comes. Don't shrink back when your capacity feels stretched. Don't walk away from church, the people of God, when challenges come. That's what the enemy wants. You're just making his job easy when you do that. Strain what lies ahead. Keep your eyes on the prize. You say, well, what is the prize? So last Sunday I felt to read Ephesians 4 from the message to you guys. And then that night when Tepburn Heights and Pastor M preached out of that, I'm like, oh, okay, that's interesting. And she was talking about the call, what that prize is. And Ephesians 4 verse 1 says, live a life worthy of the call. And Pastor M was saying, what is worthy of the call? What does that mean? You say, well, I'm not called. I don't know what I'm called to. I don't think I'm called to leadership or ministry or called to preaching. But this isn't a call to a job description. This is a call to a discipleship journey. And Jesus is saying, I've called you. And if your response is yes, then I am king of your heart, then live it. And he gives us a list through the rest of Ephesians 4 of what it looks like to have that discipleship journey and having a little bit of melancholy in me. I love the list to see how I'm going, though I did get a little bit discouraged when I read it. But I encourage you to read it again this week. It's something to inspire you. (laughs) Um, And I especially love the message version of that chapter. So that's your homework. Ephesians 4, read that in the message. But Paul knew his destiny and his call and he wasn't going to, to waver from the one thing that he was called to do. So these verses highlight different people from different walks of life. Yet each point comes really to the same focus. So you have a look at David and he was saying, have you got that? Knowing God is at the heart of worship. Solomon, knowing God is at the heart of wisdom. Martha, knowing God is at the heart of peace and rest. Paul, knowing God is at the heart of our destiny. And Jesus, knowing God is at the heart of love. Our lives are to be singularly focused on Jesus. Jesus at the centre. 
And just for a change, <laughs> we got the slide. Oh, look at that. What a coincidence. Our vision statement has Jesus at the center. Oh, wow. That's amazing. <laughs> you know, each story is about not being distracted by aims or possessions or serving or fear of our past, but being completely centered on Jesus. When we strain to follow him, our hearts are filled with joy and purpose and love. When we fix our eyes on him, we accomplish the call. And I think this is a great way even to think about our call. As we know Jesus, he gives us that life to the full. We're living that and then we just want to share it because who wouldn't want to share what Jesus has done for us? And then we grow as influencers. We go beyond, have that plus one heartbeat and we're fostering family and friendships. It's such a key thing, completely centred on Jesus. And seeking anything first above a desire for him is to be living life in the wrong order and, and maybe the cause of some of our stress, anxiety and struggles that we have. And if you asked me what is my one thing, it very much falls in line with this. My life verse always has been and always will be Matthew 6.33. For me, it summarises everything. And it's not my thoughts, it's from Jesus himself, so I didn't come up with this. Matthew 6.33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And I swear by this lifestyle, this decision, because as I put Jesus first in my life, made him my one thing, I can see the fruit of the sacrifice of prioritising his kingdom with my finances, my preferences, my time and my energy. My desire has been to worship and serve him, to be found in the house of God, to be in his presence all the days of my life to ask God for wisdom in my parenting and marriage and relationships and friendships and ministry and career, following the call to be his disciple and to love others. And do I fail sometimes? Yes, daily, often. <laughs> but I ask for forgiveness, leave the past behind and move on pressing to what he has for me. Life to the full, to live it and of course then share it with others. So let's stand where we are now. What is the one thing that you desire? What one thing would you ask of God? If you could truly understand one thing only, what would it be? If you could do one thing with your life, what would it be? Just with our eyes closed, I have a few different groups of people I feel to pray for this morning. You may find you need to put your hand up a couple of times during the, these prayer times. That's okay. That's fantastic. Holy Spirit's just doing a work with all of us here. So the first group is those that are feeling distant from Jesus. This isn't a salvation call. If you're honest with yourself, you haven't been excited, desiring to be with him in his presence, prioritising church, being in the house of God, worship, prayer, maybe struggling to read his word. You haven't been motivated to be part of a connect group or prayer gatherings, but you want that to be your desire. And you know God gives us the desires of our heart if we just ask him. 
as David said, your face, Lord, I will seek. So with every eye closed, if that's you, you just want to have that desire to be closer to God and to prioritise him, put his priorities first, just pop your hand up. Thank you. I feel like there should be a few more. Don't be embarrassed. Eyes are closed. Great. Pop your hands down. Lord, we thank you that you are never far from us. You see the hands up today. You see the hearts that are desperately crying out for more of you, to be in your presence, to be hungry with you and grow closer to you. And when we draw near to you, you draw near to us. Move now. Have your way. Change our hearts. Speak to us and encourage us to be closer and more intimate with you. Thank you, Jesus. Second, I feel like there's people who have areas of the past that are holding you back. Unforgiveness. I, as I said, I feel like there's something about unforgiveness even towards yourself. Thinking that you're too far gone and God can't be there for you. He can. And forgiving others. There's been hurts, disappointments. For others, there's a fear of failure. There's things that people have said and done and there's been like a, a broken heart, a wounded spirit. If that's you, just pop your hand up if you want some prayer for that. Awesome, hands down. Thank you, mighty God. Lord, please take everything of our past and as we forgive ourselves or those that have hurt us, we thank you for the healing release of your spirit right now. Mend the broken heart. Give us courage to open up our hearts to people again. Fill us with a love for you and a love for others that we would be seen and known to be your disciples because of that supernatural love flowing from us. Thank you, Jesus. The third is a group struggling to find that sense of purpose, that pressing into the call and everything that God has for you. Is there anyone there that's just feeling like that? Yeah, that's great. Thanks, hands down. God, right now I pray that you build into us a strength to persevere and to press into our call. Give us a keen sense of our destiny and purpose and the faith to walk in that no matter what the circumstances. Pray a strengthening into your people right now. I pray that as they go into your word and worship and prayer that you would Open up your word and show them what it is that you would have them to do. Fan into flame those gifts that you have given. Where seeds have been buried in the ground, I pray now a watering and a release of everything that you have, that your people may live life to the full as you have purposed for them. Thank you, Jesus. And the final group, people here today who haven't put Jesus as their first, their one thing, and they feel you feel that it's time that you did the one thing for you today is the first thing, putting Jesus first in your life at the centre because everything else falls into place. Certainty and security in life comes from this. And as we let him be number one, we can trust him, that he will lead us and guide us. He will give us a sense of call and purpose and help us to grow to be more like him. Jesus, one thing, he said he came to seek and save the lost and that's all of us. And he did that by taking our place on the cross so that we could be free from sin. And he rose from the dead, defeated death, and now we can have eternal life by asking him to be our Lord and Saviour.
He said he came to earth so we could have life to the full in abundance. And that comes with making a decision to ask him into your life. You can do that today, right here, right now. It's really simple. As we just have close our eyes and have no distractions, we can focus on this one very important thing. If you want Jesus to come into your life, to be the main focus, well, you've had this relationship with him in the past, but other things have crept in and taken first place and you want to change that. Pop your hand up now and I'll see it and together we're just going to pray a prayer together. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Thank you. Just pop those, put the hands down. I've seen that. Anyone else? Don't miss this opportunity. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to pray this prayer together. I'd love it you to repeat this after me. Dear God, I come to you in the name of Jesus and I admit that I'm not right with you and I want to be right with you. I repent and ask you to forgive me of all my sins. The Bible says if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, I will be saved. I am forgiven. I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Lord and Saviour of my life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more of our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, head to c3hh.com.au forward slash give.